Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What up, gang? Here we are. We're back. We're back to finish what we started. Part two of our Kaladesh set review. Yeah. We were, we were counting down t- our favorite 25 cards for Modern. Last time, I think we did around 13. Yep. Um, um, I'll, I'll actually count to make sure that's true, because that might not be true. But uh, before we get into the set, I want to make sure everyone follows us on Twitter, at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. You I'm are. at Ben Bateman Media, and uh, we are at the MMCast on Twitter. Yeah. Did you just say that? Yeah, I did. Just right now? Yeah, I just right like five seconds ago. I zoned out. You, also, must, you, must, you must have been talking for, about Trash for Treasure, and I must have just zoned out. Right, right. So for all for all, <laughs> all of you out there, I firstly apologize, because I think we ended on uh, Key the City, and then Ben went on this long rant about Trash for Treasure, and I stopped paying attention entirely. <laughs> as I, <laughs> as I, it, it was because I realized, oh, we're at 45 minutes. We should probably split this into two episodes. Um, but then after he did it, I was like, Yeah. Key to the City is great. Kessler's <laughs> so, a really, really, really good um, co-host. I'm really, I'll be I'm really in the dungeon again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we're we actually recorded this uh, right after the previous episode because um, I'm going to Hong Kong next week. Yep, and it's gonna be fun. Yeah. So watch me live tweet fun Hong Kongian things. Um, yeah. Anything? Anything else we should talk about before we jump in? Make sure knock out some yep. of our just shout outs. You know, we're on YouTube. You can find our videos. Mike Clary's been making awesome video versions of our shows for us. We're obviously the podcast is on Facebook, and you can find us all around. So, uh, so look us up. Uh, Jimmy and Josh have an awesome podcast uh, called The Command Zone that they do. Um, you can find them on YouTube. They're awesome. They're like the counterpart to our show. Uh, we have a Patreon if you guys want to donate to help us do the show. It's how we have an editor to hire. It's how we Kessler went to play in the gp this last weekend yeah. and there's like a bunch of things that the patreon helps us do it helps us stay in business and afloat because we make no yep. money off of this by the way i day two we didn't really talk about it the last episode but we were originally going to do like a tournament first day two, right? thing. first day two i ever did it's exciting ever done yeah i have only done it once yeah yeah i was <laughs> my goal was to get more pro points than you and then i just completely scrubbed out day two yeah i in my defense i literally had never touched a kaladesh card until the thursday before and i played yeah. one moto pre-release so i played one sealed event and did okay and yep. then played in it, and then day two, which was sweet. My deck was awesome. And then I just like had never drafted the set. So the first draft, I completely just was like, oh, green was really good and sealed, so I'm just going to just force it. And then like, it was, everything was wrong. And then my deck was like the sickest thing I've ever done. It was nice. black-white. Black-white's really cool. It's, I a had, free, it's a free roll. Like that's yeah. just, that's, The day two is such a sweet free roll for limited because like you just get two drafts for free. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's and, and the cards are all st- like stamped. Yeah. I'm, I like, I'm making sure I put as many of my stamped cards in different sets because... It's my it's my day two stamps. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, so we did uh, fourteen cards last week. We're yep. now doing we're doing eleven today. So n- nice and not round numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. There's um, the, I mean, there's like there's a lot like an actually like remarkable number of sweet cards in Kaladesh. Like yeah. just like a very we talked about it a lot last week and we ranted a lot about things. I, I was saying this before, but there's a lot of cards now. Like okay, so I I notice magic through two lenses. Usually, I, I notice it through the lens of modern, and I notice it through the lens of Highlander because they're the two formats that I play the most. And in both cases, anytime a set like this comes out that is so specific, right? So anytime there's an artifact matters or an enchantment matters set, you really get to go back and examine tons and tons and tons of things. And and because in the case of artifacts in modern's history, you have the entire Mirrodin block, you have the entire scars of Mirrodin block, you now have Kaladesh. And what am I forgetting? I feel like there's there's at least like one other in modern. Yeah. Uh, you have um um, 
uh, shards of a liar block because you get all of the pretty heavily colored artifacts. Well, you, yeah, you get all of the um, Esper shard. Yeah, the whole Esper shard is artifacts. You get and the- then um, that's kind of it for modern. And then you get antiquities, and you get you get a bunch of artifact sets once you go before that. But just for modern, like. Uh, the the thing with artifacts and like the way that they, they are design artifacts is that um, they're usually very like tap intricate sort of like intricate tap heavy. There's usually like a lot of like very very weird synergies between artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that are v- like in combination that get like very cool and very interesting. Uh, sure. So Kaladesh, I notice in the design, there's a lot of small effects that I feel like reference old things that were not as powerful, which is how we find ourselves talking about cards like Trash for Treasure or. Uh, things that just like don't seem like they would have been that powerful. Um, obviously, like the metalwork colossus we talked about in the last show, mm-hmm. and you start looking at all these, like you know, that's this is the the most powerful use of border posts maybe that we've ever seen in modern. But it's like things like border posts that don't see any modern play become interesting with a card like that. Right. And what's interesting, border posts are always like in a weird spot because they're kind of artifact lands yeah. in reality, and they just, they needed something to be make them the fact that they're artifact lands that come into play tapped. Yeah. worth actually kind of looking at um and and this giant 11 11 or 10 10 for 11 mana that gets cheaper makes it worth it also i do think and we'll get to her later in the sh- later in the show but sahili is a is a boon for modern That's yeah, a, a yeah very very cool card that i think is being pretty underappreciated so. yep it's only eight dollars right now yeah i think the card's nuts. pick it up um all right so starting with a land Cool. Uh, if you're feeling very inventory and want to go to the fair oh, there's always the so inventor's fair at the be- it's a legendary land. <laughs> Sorry. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more artifacts, you gain one life. It taps for a colorless, and you may pay four mana, tap it, sacrifice, inventor's fair, search your library for an artifact card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library, activate this ability only if you have metalcraft for all intents and purposes, but if you control three or more artifacts. This card is so good. I, like, <laughs> There's so many places this could see play. Just as like... A one of an affinity where you can just use it the tutor for any of your value bigger creatures once it gets to the late game, uh, or another equi- you know another uh, equipment to attach on anything like it, it, this card's great there. It's good in Tesserator list. It's good in all these like regular artifact decks. And then like I can't even imagine how strong this is going to be in um, Lantern Control. Yeah, just like you have three artifacts immediately, and then you get like. The lantern you need, or the crucible you need, or the what you're like you're like giggling for a solid twenty seconds there. I completely forgot the card we were talking about. Oh, I just had like one, I had like one of those like I'm really tired, I'm zoning out. Sure, and I was desperately trying to remember what card we were talking about until this, it like struck me that it was Inventor's Fair. This is when your co-host was out of town for three weeks and then is immediately going out of town for another two and a half weeks, and we're recording as yeah. many episodes as possible because we missed it last time. Uh, yeah, this card's really sick though. Yeah, so uh, you were like, we're in love with this set card, and then you like completely forgot about and, it. And then I had a stroke. Yeah. Um, so, Inventor's Fair, like, yeah, A, totally, totally amazing that you have an untapped land that just incidentally in a an artifact heavy deck is going to gain you a life every turn. Yeah. Like, just as incidental value, which you would never build a deck in modern to just gain a life every turn, but as incidental value. Well, uh, Soul Sisters would disagree with you. Yeah. But continue. But that's, you're not trying to gain life just to gain it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then on top of that, the fact that later in the game like there are so many things you can do i mean think just think about putting this card into a sword of the meek combo deck like you have in the sword of the meek thopter foundry combo deck this well, is well you need you would need artifacts it, so the one inherent thing is it needs to be a deck that is focusing on artifacts in some way cuz you need metalcraft right no but, i totally get that what i'm trying to say is like 
you don't affinity doesn't have to be the only artifact heavy deck. There are going no. I, I name you know. There's Tesserator. There's Affinity. There's um, a bunch of decks that might exist now because all these new artifacts yeah. exist. There's Lantern Control. Um, there's a, a deck that we're going to talk about in a second that involves you know like eggs like strategies. Yeah. And that's what existed before. Like there's so many different ways you can kind of go with artifacts. Yeah. I think this card is particularly powerful. Plus like you know there's just in general you're going to a card like this. There's now there's more of a reason to play Darksteel Citadel and you're like. In a Nihiri control deck, just having like random incidental artifacts that are good, like signets, yep. just like this makes it a little bit more worth doing that kind of effect. Do you wish that this card was an artifact land? Like, do you wish that they did that, or that would as a legendary land? Couldn't they have done it because it's legendary? At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more artifacts, you gain one life. Makes it impossible. It would ever all the metalcore things would have to be four. I'm okay not having artifact lands in our lives. <laughs> yeah. Like, Darksteel Citadel by itself is so strong. I do think that they could take the artifact lands off the ban list. That's a different conversation entirely. Yeah. Just because what it does to Affinity, it just makes it so, like, yes, it would become a little bit more straightforward, which is maybe a, bit, a bad play pattern. But at the same time, it just gets wrecked by every Destroy All Artifacts thing to an extent that they couldn't beat it at all. And Stony Silence literally turns the deck off by itself that, like... I think you don't necessarily want to play with all artifact lands anyways. Is that really true? You can't tap an artifact land? For mana if Stony Silence is in play? Yeah. Oh, jeez. That's why Stony Silence is, like, just bonkers against Divinity. They literally just can't do anything ever jeez. again. Um, I guess that's true. I've played that against them. I just, like, forget that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. So, But, like, and, like, the green artifact land does cool things where Tesserator gets to play with. Like, I think there's cool yeah. things you can do oh, with yeah. artifact lands Definitely. and, like, red decks. But, yeah. We also don't have it. So, yeah. But Inventor Fairs is really sick. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, next is the one of the other lands that we have on this list. Not the main ones, but another one. Aether Hub. Yeah. Uh, when Aether Hub enters the battlefield, you get one energy. Add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Or you may pay an energy to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. This might be the only energy card on our entire list. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look to make sure. But you talk about why this card is good. I mean, this card's good for a couple of reasons. Um, something that the Eldrazi decks has taught us is that uh, having untapped wastelands, wastes lands in modern is a powerful thing. Sure. Um, what I like about this card, and this is the same reason, this is the same card essentially in modern that Tendo Ice Bridge is. Yeah, right? this is a strictly better Tendo Ice Bridge. Yeah. Um, Unless if Tendo Ice Bridge might be a snow permanent, and I don't know that for sure, no, it's then it's strictly better than Tendo Ice Bridge. Um, yeah, and Tendo Ice Bridge has seen play in modern in various decks over time. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that common, but like it definitely has. And if you're looking for a deck that really specifically wants to be able to hit colors sometimes, but needs to have like wastelands untapped all the time. But even beyond that, like Tendo Ice Bridge saw a ton of play in Amulet Bloom. Yeah, and Tendo Ice Bridge sees play. Like that's a card in modern. Yeah, and a, and this is a uncommon version of that that is strictly better. Like when it comes down to it. There was a card that sees play in modern. This is better than that card. Yeah, it's not. This is not something that's going to break the format. It's not going to like add well, that much. And, but and this is a talking. If you don't add any energy cards, like right. they're like they're not on our list, and I like can't see it happening currently in the energy world we exist. But we have an entire other set coming out yeah. with energy in it, and there are some energy cards that are out there that just have incidental reasons that have energy. That if you're playing this card, it might be worth playing. Like yep. Like though, there's the red green. Beefy dude, the three two that attacks and gets bigger. Like, if we're playing those two together, like, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't snub my nose at that. Yeah, it's fine. Let's keep going. All right. Paradoxical outcome. This is the card 
in I think the previous episode that you were really convinced I was talking about for a good 30 seconds and then had to explain that it was the untap all cre- permanents you control or a non-land permanents. Uh, one blue, three colorless, instant. Return any number of target non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hand. Draw a card for each card returned to your t- hand this way. So this is specifically a combo deck. This combo deck has kind of already played out and is, exists in the world. It uses this in retrace to play all of those zero mana dumb shield uh, yeah, equipments. And Paradise Mantles, and, probably. And Paradise Mantles, and it plays with uh, Pure Steel Paladin yep. and those and this. And kind of Pure Steel Paladin plus retrace draws you a bunch of cards and kind of gives you a huge storm count. This by itself gives you a bunch of cards and gives you a huge, a huge storm count. And then you just play Grape Shot. Uh, we talked previously on the other card you kind of like, um, the 1-3 uh, for one Reckless red and whatever. He's another thing you can use that kind of combo off. So you have kind of two different engines of damage, and now you have two different ways of kind of looping cards. And so it's kind of just a eggs-like storm deck that yeah. plays a different game. What's nice about this card is this deck kind of existed before as a bad deck, and now you have a non, like a bolt-proof version <laughs> card that's available so that Ups the ante. Wouldn't this deck possibly want to play Grappa Aethergrid as well? Yeah, I can see it playing Grappa Aethergrid. I think Grappa Aethergrid is so underplayed. Yeah, I do too. I think it's really good. Um, And part of that is artifact. You know, there isn't infinite artifacts right now in modern. This just added such a huge chunk of powerful, cool, intricate artifacts to the format and looking at what it can do. Honestly, just like thinking about it, (laughs) a deck with all those zero cost artifacts, Grappa Aethergrid and this card, and not even necessarily dealing with all the storm stuff and the pure still paladin, like. I think Pure Steel might be really, really good in that deck. Like, it probably would be really, really good in that deck. But I could also see a world where you just wanted to play, like... Like, I just wonder... And now I'm getting all brewy. But I'm just, like... I'm just thinking about Aethergrid with... I'm just thinking about Aethergrid with, like... With that. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'll just, like, play all these things. And I'll, like, Domi for three or four. And then I'll, like, play this thing end of turn. And I'll draw, like, eight cards. See, what you're describing now is a slow, grindy thing that eventually just you die because you didn't do anything for four turns straight. Versus I feel like I win right now because I have Pure Steel Pattern in this. I draw my whole deck and I kill you. Fair enough. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next is a little bit more of a card that you can brew your little heart out to its heart's content. Is Panharmonicon. 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 Four mana artifact. If an artifact or creature at the end of the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a, a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Oh man! Wait, did I miss this card? Maybe. Harmonicon. Panharmonicon. Pan. You don't know this? It's it's doubling season for ETBs. I like it. Don't know that it's I've like, seen this card. It's like reverse. Um, what's the card you love? Two-mana artifact when a creature comes into play. It's reverse Turbo Orb. Instead of cutting off, it doubles them. Wow. This card's sweet. Either I missed this card or I saw it and like thought about it and then like was doing something else and never looked at it again. Yeah, yeah. So this card's sweet. I actually had it in that black-white limited uh, uh, draft I did at the GP. Mm. And by turn six, I had 13 servos in play. Wow. Where I played just any servo fabricate card on turn three, turn four this, turn five. Oh, sorry, the three mana get two servos. Turn four this, turn five the flying one, and then the angel that blinks a thing, and it just it just it got insane. The fact doubling anytime you have a thing that doubles a thing previously made has a chance of breaking something. I'm not actually positive in modern what does that right now, but there will be decks that exist eventually if not immediately that take advantage of it they'll probably not ever be tier one 
And if there ever does become a tier one, this card becomes a dangerous card that may need to be banned. But that is such a unique effect that has never existed before. Cost four. I mean, that's definitely a little tough. But I could also see... Like I casting this s- and then casting Primeval Titan or Inferno Titan or... Yeah, well, the, the big creatures that, like, where it just like, totally takes over the game is a thing. But the, you could also think about the things that you're going to play before you cast this that are sweet that are going to set you up, like Tide Hollow Sculler. Sure. <laughs> and you're like, all right, so I'll cast my Tide Hollow Sculler or Brain Maggot at that, at that point if you're going to bother playing it in Modern. You play like eight, eight effects like that. Turn two, you play it. You got the thing out of their hand that's going to thwart your plan. By the way, Title Scholar with all the cards that we've mentioned that care how many artifacts you have in play is really so good. good. <laughs> um, but, like, or, you know, casting this off of some amount of ramp and then casting Thought Not Seer on the next turn. Or, <laughs> like. Also, just for the record, like, another, just yet another thing that you can do to be using, um, to be using uh, Greater Gargadon. Because Sculler, like Sculler and like Sculler-like effects, like Rain Maggot, mm-hmm. when you put the Exile a card oh, yeah, trigger on yeah, the stack yeah. and you sack it to your Gargadon in response, right. imagine having this thing in play with a Sculler and a Gargadon. You play it, it triggers twice, you sack it, and they just lose two cards forever for two mana. Yeah, <sighs> seems really good. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's definitely ways to abuse this. And then we're talking minimal ones. Like, that's like look at the Titans. Look at like this in a Primeval Titan, and then you're it's just nuts, like yeah. so far ahead on on ramp and everything else. Like there's insane things that this card will eventually do. Yep. Um, next is a card that the combo exists. We all know what it is now, uh, and it's really cool. It's Mad Gap Experiment. This is one red, three colorless sorcery. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest of the bottom of your library in a random order. Madcap Experiment deals damage to you equal to the number of cards revealed this way. So yeah, the most obvious use of this card is Platinum Imperium. Yep. And that is an 8-mana, 8-8 that uh, artifact your life total can't change. So the way that it reads would be that you would, if you had just this and Platinum Imperium is the only artifact in your deck... You just as soon as you draw this card, you play it, and it's just an eight-eight for, for for four mana. Four mana, eight-eight, and you can't take damage ever again. Yeah, until, until they, kill, they it. kill it. Because it, the way that it resolves is it's already on the battlefield by the time the damage is dealt to you, and so your life total stays. The same. And there's there's a few other cute things you can do with this. Um, Platinum but Angel is Platinum like Angel the is closest, a, but it's not as good. Uh, anything that prevents damage. So there are, there are a few things that make it so you won't take damage from this. Um, I'm not remembering off the top of my head. You can play the the protection from red one one for one. Yeah. Um, what's he called? Uh, Burfron Tender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's there's definitely cool things you can do with it, but obviously this is I think the best. And, and and what's cool about that one is it's a five card, and really it's a three card to two card even sideboard strategy. Even for three cards, you can put this in Jeskai just as a oh I need a different way to kind of go around beating them, and they can beat this one plan I have. So here's this, and that works also because Nahiri can also cheat the Imperium play if you need to. So it's not the only way to get it there. Oh my. God goodness against mono red like i mean if they don't know you have this and you have this in a sideboard plan and you just like bring this in game two and they're like all right i'll take out my destructive revelries or they don't bring in their destructive revelries because i guess they don't play with the main deck yeah and then they can't get rid of this thing <laughs> you're like all right good game <laughs> you, yep. you, you, good luck <laughs> you wasting win, yeah good luck wasting three lightning bolts on my one card yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep nope so it's it's sweet I, I do think this is a thing that will be a thing in modern for a while. I just bought four the other day because I was like, I'm just I'm gonna need to own this. Yeah. Uh, next, and this is our first planeswalker we're gonna really talk about. It's Dovin Bond. Is this card good? Uh, I played against it at the GP. It felt insane. Yeah. Uh, two blue, white, two white. Sorry, two white, blue planeswalker. It's a Dovin. He comes in at three. He pluses to four, uh, and he basically turns a creature off minus three, minus zero, and it can't activate abilities. Um, and then it minus one's the gain two life and draw a card, and and then it minus sevens to um, 
your opponents can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step, which is good, but who cares about ultimates? They all win the game. More importantly, the plus one and minus one is a really good combo because it's going to kind of stabilize you no matter what happens unless they have a very, very weird board position. For plus one, locking a creature out, like minus three, minus zero is pretty big. And then these are four mana, so they either have to attack in the Dovin and are probably not killing him, or you have a creature of the block. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think you, you're pretty dead on there. I think, like, my only issue with this card is we've seen four mana Planeswalkers see play in modern. It's happened, but, like, he, generally speaking, you know, Architect of Thought has seen a good amount of play. Elspeth has seen a play as a two of sometimes in creature, in, like, zoo-ish decks. Um, I think he's better than Architect of Thought. You do. The minus ability, gaining two life and drawing a card is like ex- exactly what you like. It's really, it's backbreaking sometimes. Yeah. If you're being aggressive, like remember gaining two life against it, it against burn is a drawing a card yeah, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it's one, one so life it, off. Like in, in many ways, he kind of kitchen finks when he comes into play. Yeah. He's like a four mana kitchen finks that can also remove a creature from the game or turn off. Um, just a random like birds of paradise or turns off a um is he a control deck card so yes. you wrath the board on turn four and then you play him on turn five i think you like he would pl- see play like alongside nahiri's in, in just guy decks or in, in esper decks and esper walker decks like he like does anger, a lot of different things play like anger on turn three and, and him on turn four and the blue white walker decks are also kind of they're in a weird position because they're always looking for more walkers because of the legendary kind of clause so having just another thing that can come into play and doesn't legendary another one of your cards out is important yeah i get that um yeah it's i mean it seems good it, it's not really my like style of card yeah but this I is could... much more my style of card like i'm very excited about this card yeah. like when i played against it and like i actually saw him do something i was like oh this guy does everything you could possibly want a walker to do yeah it's, it's not exciting nothing about him is exciting but th- that doesn't mean he's not very good he protects himself, he stabilizes the board, and he draws you cards, and he does two of those things at the exact same time. Makes sense. Um, next is the one I think you're a little bit more excited for. Also a Planeswalker. Two mana, two red. <laughs> yeah. Planeswalker Chandra, four abilities. Chandra Torch of Defiance. Comes in as a four, uh, pluses to five. Uh, XL the top card of your library. You may cast the card. If you don't, Chandra Torch of Defiance deals two damage to each opponent. Plus one, add two red mana to your mana pool. Minus three, Chandra Torch of Defiance does four damage to the target creature. And minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or emblem deals five. Uh, cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to the target creature or player. Um, First off, <laughs> minus four. Four damage to something is actually really big in modern. There are yeah. so many things right now that are X4s. Like Grim Flare is a great example that this does a lot there. The fact that it just kind of comes in and kills yeah. a lot of things in the format. And comes in, you can play another thing for two red. And the plus, like it has five abilities. <laughs> it's pluses two different abilities on one ability. Yeah. So like the fact that you can do damage or draw a card is really good. Oh my goodness! Minus four to kill a spellskite. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are that are the, just like on the table, and the four toughness has just at this point been assumed in modern to be the baseline of what you have to have. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this kills those things is insane. Right. And it doesn't just kill these things and like zero itself out. It kills the thing and still lives. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Look, people that have ever played four mana um, Garrick Wildspeaker, and when he untaps two lands and you get to cast a spell the turn you cast him, when you've done that before, you know how powerful it is to have a spell that allows you to cast it and then generate two mana. It's not right. one mana, it's two. And there's not that many things in modern that I can think of for two that are going to be like 
Well, it's, that's 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 what's interesting. The two red. It's red red, which is harder. Like like Jund. What do I cast off of plusing this? The turn it comes into play. Yeah. Other than lightning bolt. So like if I'm playing this, the one thing I would make sure to consider is how to capitalize on the double red ability. Not that there isn't ways to do that. I mean, I, I I've always thought actually that um because Jun plays so many discard spells, the uh young pyromancer is something to maybe think about. I also think just like looking at red two drops now again is something to really think about what can be put in here or artifacts. That's the other side. Where you yeah. play maybe the Slab Keep Reaper, or you maybe play Spell Skites in the main, or you have other options to kind of get something to play off of the double red. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what the deck is going to be. I, I yet again am like am like uh, pushed towards thinking about artifact decks because of the because red red is going to be able to play an artifact the same turn you play this and two mana artifacts. There's just a lot of good ones. Um, but yeah, this card <laughs> this card is just so good. Uh, like you you get the mana or you. Or you deal damage, or you cast, a, or you get to cast a spell, or like you get to kill something, and then eventually, if you do ultimate the thing, it's just, it's just <laughs> look at Pyromaster. Pyromaster was a played card that was a card that people played. Pyromaster is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just almost. It's not strictly better, but it's almost strictly better than Pyromaster. Almost. No, it's strictly better. Is it? Yeah. Pyromaster draws for zero. This, but this draws for plus. Right. Let me like read Pyromaster to see if I'm like... And, and like it deals... Pyromaster does one damage and this does two to the player. Like, and this can kill a four X four creature instead of a one, an X one. Like this is worse against a deck filled with X ones. Like if you're like facing three X ones at one time or like lingering souls, I guess this is worse against that. But also plusing to five and drawing you a card and doing two damage to the player and making it out of range of lingering souls killing it seems better than what yeah yeah, yeah it's true it's not strictly better because I guess the other Chandra lets a Tarmogoyf cut through a Tarmogoyf yeah because it makes that Tarmogoyf not block if it's an X five which is a thing that happens so I'll there's that um, things that like on the thing Arc Trail. Is a card that I've always kind of thought could be played. Yeah, Ancient Grudge is another one. Like some of the burn spells are also kind of a great place to kind of be with it. That I definitely think there's Magma something Jet. to do there. Magma Jet's a card. Yeah, and I can see that seeing play in, in Jun. Like the fact that it lets you scry and like cycle through your deck a little bit better. Our trail's like one of my favorites. I've always... Boom Bust. Yeah, Boom Bust is, uh, is always kind of a thing that people look at. Um, well, Boom Bust would be especially good at this card because because if you have if, now if you have a, a forever permanent on the battlefield that's going to start generating you two mana every turn, mm -hmm. and you were in like a base red deck, uh, you could totally play this and then play a Boom Bust and just not care about losing a land. Um, that seems really good. Yep, I like Boom Bust. Uh, going through other things. Uh, you could play the the like any of the like two the, the red red searing blood or searing blaze. Those are both things that can. Yeah, be I, I don't think any of those are like you have to be doing something that lightning bolt isn't just as good as. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's definitely. I think there's a lot of options with this card. Obviously, it's been talked about a lot by a lot of people. So I, I think it's time to move to this card. <laughs> yep. Uh, this one's sweet. I love this card. Uh, I have not played with it in modern, but I have played with it in Commander, and I instantly won when I cast it. Aetherflux Reservoir. Oh, this card's so sweet. Four mana, <laughs> artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn. So in Storm, this is a win condition. Uh, pay 50 life, and a great card against Burn. Pay 50 life, Aetherflux Reservoir deals 
50 damage to target creature or player. You have to sack it, though, right? No. What? It's pay 50 life. Aetherflux deals... I mean... <laughs> when are you going to ever be paying 50 to deal 50 and, and, like, having the next turn? I guess if there's a creature you have to kill and they have the white ley line in play... <laughs> or something? So, like... The the first two places you look, because there's two clauses on this, and they both kind of fit in different sides. Storm. Yep. This is a, a an alternate win condition to Storm that doesn't use the stack or, do, you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera, can be played, and then just be in play, and then later you go off without drawing your Storm cards. Yep. Um, so there's a one-off option there, or a sideboard option there. It's great. Uh, but B, just a Soul Sisters deck, or just a guaranteed life gain deck. Well, yeah, so if you... A lot of people have asked me about this because I'm a brewer and I like to brew with wacky cards. But a lot of us have looked at Felidar Sovereign in the past and been like, there has to be a way to make Felidar Sovereign work. Sure. That card seems like it's playable. It's um, six mana and needs an upkeep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's exactly the reason this that it's is not. Neither of, this is a four mana and needs a... Uh, you need to just cast it because it's a resolve. Alternate win conditions are always intriguing. So mm-hmm. Felidar Sovereign, for those that don't know, is... White, white, four for a four, six, vigilance, lifeling. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 40 or more life, you win the game. Getting to 40 life is not hard. Like, it's, there's so many you're, things. If that's what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, uh, by rate per card, it's easy to get, like, between four and eight, but four and eight life per card. I mean, gain tens are there? Martyr, Martyr of Sands is the easiest and quickest, like, most, just, like, I'm going to gain a ton of life card that I can think of. Because I think Martyr of Sands is three per white card. So early on in a game with Martyr of Sands, you can gain like between 12 and 18 life pretty easily. Um, but there's also other cards. I mean, there's there's everything from Lone Missionary to the Landfall that gain eight card, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, there's uh, the one mana one, uh, the one mana like O3 from Abyssin Restored that gains you three when it comes in. Yep. Martyr of Sands so is insane you with it. ignoring me again. That was so. the first thing I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to gain life. I mean, timely reinforcements is a thing to start you off. Um, so, yeah, I think... Oh, actually, one I love, Children of Corliss. Yeah. Where, so w- those who know, Children of Corliss is sacrifice. I mean, this does nothing, I guess, but... <laughs> uh, sacrifice Children of Corliss, you gain life equal to life lost you this turn. I guess that doesn't really work. No, it does not. Not well. It does. <laughs> it kills two creatures. It kills that Platinum Empyrean you get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> Why does it kill the Platinum Empyrean? Because you you sac you you pay fifty life, kill a Platinum Empyrean, sacrifice this, gain that fifty life back, to then kill them. Oh, that's horrible. That's a horrible thing to do with that card. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this card's sweet. We all we all agree. Children of Corliss is not sweet. No, no, the, the Aetherflux <laughs> Reservoir. Yeah, there's lots and lots of ways. Um, I mean, the biggest difference is just that, like, Felidar, Felidar Sovereign and other things of that nature that reference life total are, like, not four-mana win. If yeah. you have 50 life when you play this card, you just play it and win the game. Right. So you just get to 50 resolve this and you win right unless they have some way to like squelch you and and it has the a built-in way to gain some life with it so like yeah. in those guaranteed life gain decks you get a like you can just cast some spells after that yep yeah um all right next card this is a card you like yeah you like this card it's three mana yes uh it's one blue <laughs> one red yeah one colorless sahili ray my favorite card in the set. Uh, of the four planes, walkers, three of them made it to our list. Uh, plus one, scry one, Sahili does one damage to each opponent. Uh, minus two, 
Create a token that is a copy of target artifact or creature you control, except if it's an artifact in addition to its other types. The token gains haste, exile at the beginning of the next end step. Search your library for up to three artifact... Oh, this is minus seven. Search your library up to three artifact cards with different names. Put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Three mana three for three uh, loyalty. Yep. Plus the four. So, okay, guys, it's a three-mana Planeswalker in Modern. So there's, I think, a total of, what, like six of those or something like that? There's Domri Raid, there's Ashiok, there's this card. If you card. don't include the creatures, I think there's five. Yeah, if you don't include the creatures. No, no, there's way more than five. Sorry. Domri Raid, Ashiok, this Two Lilianas, Domri Raid, Ashiok, Sahili, Ajani. Um, so I said, I, I think I said seven. Maybe I'm off. Maybe there's eight. But whatever, there's a small number is the point. There's not that many of them. Um, at one time or another, almost every single one of those cards has seen play in Modern for one reason or another. Um, it's it's a competitive cost for a permanent, especially a permanent that often the three mana Planeswalkers come down on three loyalty and plus one, which means... There's eight. There, okay, which means that usually, usually, they don't protect themselves because they cost three. That's traditionally the, the, the difference between a three and a four. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you build a deck around a three-mana Planeswalker, it's early enough in the game that you can genuinely build your strategy around what this thing does on the minus. But what's great about this one is three-mana to go to four loyalty, scry the top card of your library and get incidental damage as you're setting up the obvious thing which you want to do, which is the minus two, is fantastic. And there are so many things in Modern that if you want to play on turn two and copy on turn three, you're just in business. Like I was saying, I keep saying it, but... I believe this goes into a Greater Gargadon deck, and I believe that that Greater Gargadon deck is all about getting value off the things on two. So the obvious things are the Wellsprings, um, but there's there's probably other things on two that are going to be super sweet as well, because the, the idea that dur- like during the whole game you can have this 9-7 suspended with the ability at any point in time to play Sahili Ray, sack your whole board to put the Gargadon in play if you see the opportunity, and then minus Sahili to make a copy of your Gargadon token, and all of a sudden you have 18 haste damage... Seems really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's so much combo potential with this card. There's available. the Sun Titan combo. Yeah, that's the that's I mean, that's my favorite version of it of just gifts for Sun Titan and Sahili and hope and hope you had a Sahili on turn three. If, and if just, for those that don't understand how it works, if you have two Sahilis and a Sun Titan, um, you play Sun Titan, it brings Sahili back from your graveyard. Um, you then can clone the Sun Titan with that Sahili. The new Sun Titan has haste, brings back the other Sahili in your graveyard. Legend that comes to play, gets rid of the other one, clone that Sun Titan, you infinite, infinite hasty haste Sun, Sun Titans. Titans. You win the game. So that's super sweet. Three card combos in modern are never easy to assemble. So like it's not like we're talking about breaking the format here. But, but it's, it's also it's different than other ones. It's kind of it's more close to the Kitchen Finks Malira one, where every piece of your deck is relatively decent on its own, and yeah. you get tutors for that. Also, there's a combo you can do with a card called Liquid Metal Coating, which is an artifact for two tap target permanent becomes an artifact in addition to his other types till end of turn. This is a weird one. So you tap it to make Sahili herself an artifact, which then she gets to minus to turn herself. To clone herself and the clone... Because she's now an artifact or creature, she can target herself because it's not another. Mm-hmm. So you, she can target herself, which then comes in and Legend rules out herself, but the new one has three loyalty, but the new one, which is a token... Is an artifact. Is also an artifact. Because that's what her ability does. can then be targeted, which means if you have anything that references permanence entering the battlefield or anything that you have referencing artifacts entering the battlefield... You gain infinite of that. Or anything that references artifacts dying... 
I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, so Disciple of the Vault. Um, there's the one white card that you gain a life every time an artifact comes into play to gain infinite life. There's, there's a red white one, and then there's the mill card. I think are the there's the mill card. There's the new red one, the one three for two. Um, all of these things trigger. There's a handful of different things. So I I've actually said for a while now, Liquid Metal Coating is a very interesting card. That that card. Unfortunately, some of the cards that make it particularly interesting in wider formats aren't legal in modern. Uh, Dak Faden being my favorite. Um, but Yeah, but you could just play Ancient Grudge. I mean, Ancient Grudge isn't the best one, but like, oh, there's yeah. so many ways of... like Shattering Spree. Shattering Spree. Just like a Shattering Spree in the main seems like really sweet, especially now after we've gone through 18 artifacts that all are going to see more play in modern. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ancient Grudge with a Liquid Metal Coding deck seems quite good. Seems quite good. Also, like the fact that if you have any kind of... Like, playing Liquid Metal Coatings in a deck that's not as heavy on artifacts, but it's, like, decently heavy, means you can probably get away with playing Galvanic Blast in your deck. Yeah. Um, as well as Lightning Bolts, but, like, or in spite of, because, like, with a Liquid Metal Coating in play, you're almost always going to have Metal Craft, just incidentally. Sure. Um, so, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, there's a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, all right, next card. Oh, actually, talk about the plus. What's really interesting is that the plus is, like, a slight amount of damage, and then you can dig to the things you need. Yeah. Um, this card, I mean, there's the other deck, and, and it's not as obvious, but I, w I was saying for a while that I think this this plays nicely on Curve in a Tezzeret deck. Um, her like a thing, Grixis Tezzeret? Yeah, I mean, the fact that her thing references cloning artifacts is nice. Um, well, you, you always like the Wellspring into her into Tezzeret, where you like yeah. draw five cards and then get a 5-5 five five that runs into people. Yeah, I think it's sweet. <laughs> um, all right. The, we only have two more cards on the list. Cool. The first one is a two-mana, three-three flying vehicle. <laughs> uh, Smuggler's Copter. When Smuggler's Copter attacks or blocks, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Crew one. This is, like, dominating standard. This card's so very far, good. It, it, it's, a, it's literally the statement I, I've heard, and I, you know, we don't play a lot of standard, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt, is you cannot play a deck in standard without playing four of this card. Well, period. we will see this weekend at the Pro Tour. Yep. Well, actually, I suppose now it's last weekend. We saw last weekend at the Pro Tour. Yeah, because this is coming out a week late, but or a week later, but uh, we will see this this last weekend <laughs> how things go as far as this card is, is concerned. I mean, the fact that it's Crew 1 is definitely pushed on the power level. This, sure. is, this is, I think, pretty clearly their marquee uh, cr uh, crew. This and the big ship. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the big ship is their pushed card in terms of, like, flavor for what we can do with these things. But in terms of, I think, their standard card, this is pretty clearly the no, one. No, no, the big ship's seeing a lot of standard play. So what is it? It lightning bolts when it comes in, it lightning when it attacks. It's a five or six, six for and you crew for five okay. or four. Um, it's strong. Um, the I love the vehicle concept. We talked about this before. I personally believe this should be an evergreen mechanic. Um I think these are just as flavorful as equipment. If we get one or two vehicles every set from here on out, I'll be completely fine with that. Crew is really flavorful. It's really fun to kind of accomplish. Um, this card is super sweet. There's so many things you can do. Just the fact that it loots when it attacks, so you automatically gain value even if they're able to kill it. Oh, I think the fact that it loots when it blocks is even more powerful because you can play it and then you can tap something to, to, give, it, to give it blocking haste. I just read and then registered that it also gets it on blocks. So good. So good. <laughs> you just like play it. It's a 3-3. Three, three. You play it for crew one, and then you're just like, all right, I'll crew it, and I'll block you. Like Once again, back to this theoretical delirium-based <laughs> <laughs> Lingering Souls discard plan. Ugh. Like, man, all these cards kind of like all build this new style of deck that you're just gaining so much value. Yeah. 
It's awesome. Oh. This with Lingering Souls is so sick. Yeah, so sick. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yep. You discard the additional Lingering Souls to its ability. Man, this deck is awesome. Yeah. I'm building it. Yeah. We got Jund moving this card, on. This card's very, very yeah. good. All right. So there's only one more real card set. Yeah. And when I say set, it's because there's five of them. It's in reference to the new Fastlands, guys. The enemy colored Fastlands. Whoa. Just stole all my thunder. Oh, <laughs> right out from under me. Did a whole lead up. First is Blooming Marsh. Then there's a bunch of other ones. That's the only one I have saved in my thing. Uh, Five fast lands, the enemy colored ones. For those who don't know, they're lands that when they enter the battlefield, they enter the battlefield untapped. If you have four more lands, um, they are really good. I mean, well, here's the deal. Fast lands are classically one of the f- five playable land cycles in modern. Yeah, I mean, they haven't. So so one and two syn- like are synonymous with the format, and that's that's fetches and shocks. And they're really played in conjunction. I would say, I'd say it goes fetches, shocks. Um, uh, manlands. Yeah, manlands. Um, how many? Uh, how many of the ten manlands see significant modern play? Uh, blue white, red green, green white, green. blue white, red green, green white. Uh, red black and blue blue black sees a little bit. It, blue black has seen a lot of play. Yep, green black sees play. Um, blue red sh- generally should would be seeing play if Splinter Twin was still around. Yeah. Uh. White red hasn't really seen black white sees play, so seven of the ten. Yeah, black red sees no play though has seen play, uh, but very rarely. What it really takes in modern, I I mean, every one of them, they're they're varying power levels. Obviously, I think the most powerful man lands in modern of those ones are Celestial Colonnade because it fits so well into its deck style, and probably Green Red because it fits so well into Jund. Green Red. Blue white are the two most powerful. Yeah. After that, I would actually say it's a tie between green white and uh, sorry, blue black and green black. Um, green white may be a little bit more modern just because it's lightning bolt proof, but blue black is unblockable and green black is a removal spell on a land. So what's but what's interesting is like every one of these down to the worst one will see play at some point. Probably if a deck manifests itself in those colors that wants. That, that can, can survive for a tapped land and wants a man land. Yeah, because because the, the way that modern works is it, the incidental value of a dual land that comes into play tapped when it can net you a creature late is just very, very, sure. very good. Um, so even black-red, when you say it has seen some play, is because at times there have been decks that wanted a black-red man land. Right, well, there, there are two reasons. One, there were, you know, in Mardu decks, it was the only man land available. Uh, and then now that there are man lands in the other colors, just if I was straight up red-black, deck needs a man land. Yeah. Um, but moving on, because that's not what we're talking about, manlands right now. Uh, after that, I would say future sight lands as a cycle, yeah. and that's always a loose thing. No, no, no. Red, green, and, and the green, white. Yeah, man- see a ton of yeah, play. see a ton of play. Um, and then after that, I'd say fast lands. Yeah. Uh, I would say fast lands see play over filter lands, because there are deck like Boggles plays four green ones. Um, Gory's Vengeance, pl- the black red one is he's playing so many different combo decks that's kind of insane. Yeah. Um, and the green and and, and last but not, like red greens he's a little bit of play in, in Jund right now or yeah. uh, Dredge, sorry, right now. So like all three of those cards have seen a chunk of play. The ones that don't see actually play ironically are the blue ones. Painlands now with Eldrazi are probably neck and neck. I would say no. Painlands see one a, deck versus I think like each of like, I mean, Painlands see a decent amount of play. Like pain, Painlands do see Bant Eldrazi, more. red green Eldrazi. And like and one of randomly play, storm plays Shivan Shivan Reef. But like, will they see play Shivan Reef now that this fast land is out? The blue red one. 
Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, later in the game, they can't afford the turn being slowed down by top decking a land. Yeah, but they need they just need three mana, right? They need yeah, four. but if it's yeah, more four, they're trying yeah, to go yeah, off. Yeah. They don't want to top deck a land they can't sure. play. Um, but yeah, so the new ones come out. Enemy ones, I think red, you know, green, black easily slides into amulet or uh, lantern control. Blue red gets into any Delver deck. Definitely can make use of either blue, blue red. Uh, blue green is probably a little harder to find a home, but Tarmogoyf and blue cards have classically been friends in the past. Yeah, uh, you used to joke that Tarmogoyf is the best blue creature. <laughs> I mean, these the thing is, these won't revolutionize the format in any way because mana bases were good enough already. So all, sure. all they will do is add a little bit of variety and versatility to decks that maybe wanted a little more like they wanted to be smoothed out. Yeah, well, I mean, there are some aggro decks that of color combinations like red white aggro. I think Boros aggro just got a big shot on the arm with these lands got it like just like straight because like there just wasn't an option for them if they wanted fast land that wasn't going to murder them themselves yeah. i think burn also could just play for like the red white ones pretty easily yeah um just from a perspective of like they don't they don't need more than three lands if they have more than three lands they're losing anyways yeah true enough um so yeah that's 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 our that's that's number one those were our like top three, and then we did a bunch of other ones, and uh, that's that's Kaladesh. Kaladesh is sick. Kaladesh is really good. Yeah, I'm a really big fan. Um, I like I I can't I don't think the last time a set in modern came out, I can't think what it was that I liked this much. This is just such my kind of set. It's just so many. God, well, it's a bunch weird. of intricate, weird cards doing weird things that all could very easily break the game. <laughs> Bomat Courier is so sweet. Oh, yeah. I'm just, like, loving that card more and I, more. Like, currently, and it's not surprising, I think my favorite card is Key to the City. Key to the City's awesome. Like, I, I, like I'm, I'm going to look through our list one more time to make sure any other ones. Think about Key to the City and Prowess decks. Like, think about, yeah. key, think about key to the City with, like, Abbot of Carol Keep or, like, uh, I mean, Abbot of Carol Keep's kind of, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, playing that with, like, Swift Spe- like Monastery Swift Spear or something like that. Just like you play it, it triggers prowess. You discard a card with it. Now you can't block my prowess thing that's plumped up temporarily. And the next turn, I get to untap, pay to draw a card that's probably cheap because it's a prowess deck. And then if I want to, make that creature unblockable again and play my cheap spell. Like, right. Seems very good. No, I mean, yeah, I think I think my favorite favorites to write down: Inventor's Fair. Yep. Dovin Ban. Key of the City. And uh, the Metalwork Colossus, the 11 mana, yeah. 10, 10. All of them like do a really cool thing that like, Dovin Band's a little bit more of just like a controller card and I like controller cards, yeah. whatever. Like I, theoretically him and Chandra are probably similar in slots, but the other ones do something that like, like I'm excited to play Key of the City and just Jund. Yeah. Just like from a perspective of that's a deck that loves a card draw in the late game, loves the ability, the, the, the untap ability will t- make complete advantage of making Tarmogoyf unblockable. Like, there's so many things that card does. It's great. Yeah. Sweet. I'm in. Uh, that does it, guys. That does our set review. Thank you for yeah. listening to back-to-back weeks, and we're sorry that we took two weeks to get it to you, but we just had so much fun stuff to say. We like- oh, You know, we have a little bit of time. I do want to talk about one thing really quick. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's not magic-related before we do all our call-outs. Um, I do want to talk about uh, uh, two weeks ago at Dallas Toy Fair, um, I haven't talked a lot about, but I've been launching, you know, I've been working, I started my own toy company yeah. at the beginning of this year. Um, and we're focusing on two things. One is kind of spring summer stuff. 
Uh, but the big one is board games. Um, and so I launched five board games at Dallas Toy Fair. Uh, they'll be coming out next year, but I can now talk about them. So that's what I'm bringing up a little bit. Uh, the first is a draft game that I think you guys would really like. It's called Housewives vs. Zombies, if you ever Housewives in LA. Housewives vs. Zombies. Yeah, it's 1960s style. You have a house, you're defending it from a bunch of zombies attacking you every turn. Um, the other one is Dance Clash, which is a cool dance game. Uh, and, then, and then there's a drinking game that's similar to Magic the Gathering in, in many ways. Uh, there's a game where you're flinging koalas, zombies, and sharks at each other in a bowling-like capacity uh, with catapults. And then uh, there's... um, I'm working with uh, Brian David Marshall, who, if you pay attention to the magic... um, is you know the face of the, one of the faces of the Pro Tour part of the coverage team? Uh, he came out with a drafting superhero game where you kind of create your own superhero by building a deck uh, a year ago in Kickstarter, and I'm helping him kind of launch that as well. Sweet. Uh, so yeah, so it's really sick. Uh, if you guys want to hear more about them, please let me know. I'm going to start posting more and more often. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, definitely, specifically, Housewives for Zombies. I think is uh, it's literally a dra- you're you're building your house through drafting cards like a draft in Magic the Gathering. So it's really sweet. Super, super awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen all these games as they've been developing over the last several months, um, and they're awesome. They yeah. look awesome. The designs are great. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at the MMCast. And by that, the podcast is at the <laughs> MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, we are on Instagram with at the MMCast. We are on Facebook at the MMCast. We are uh, we have a Patreon that's at the MMCast. Uh, you should follow us on YouTube. More specifically, please follow us on YouTube. We're going to actually, you know, we always say this, but we're going to slowly try and make a little bit more content there. Um, be it, you know, just streaming draft videos and uploading them online with us actually doing commentary while drafting to... Uh, talking, you know, like if you guys liked Ben's individual episode two weeks ago, we, you know, we're debating doing just individual deck techs where one of us record just a deck tech one afternoon and and upload it uh, with kind of some car, you know, as a PowerPoint presentation almost to the YouTube channel and different cool ideas like that. Please check it out. Um, subscribe once again, youtube.com slash uh, top decking TV. Uh, beyond that, yeah, I think that pretty think much does it. As this episode comes out, I'm currently in Hong Kong. So if you live in Hong Kong and want to hang out, let me know. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Cool, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>